Hey everybody, this is George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School here on the No Film School podcast. For the week of Monday, January 10th, and I'm here with tech writer and cinematographer Todd Blankenship. Hey, how's it going? And today we're going to talk about a string of tragedies to very prominent people in the entertainment industry. So we've had some significant losses of late. We're going to talk about how you maintain this quote-unquote new normal of production in the time of COVID, which seems to be stretching on infinitely into the horizon. So we'll be talking about how you make those adjustments. And we're going to be talking about this particular time of year where it seems really quiet, but what's really going on when there is less news, but perhaps more activity. All that on the No Film School podcast. All right. So first up, we are going to talk about a sort of an in memoriam, which is prompted by recent events. Bob Saget, the Full House star and well-known stand-up comedian and America's Funniest Home Videos. For those of you who don't remember, it was basically everything you love about the internet and your phone and social media before those things existed. It was just VHS home videos. It was was fail army. I've never thought of it in that context. Like It is totally... (laughs) It's like fails before there were fails. Yeah, and he did it. it. It's hard for everyone to believe, but he did it on TV and like a, on a Sunday night slot. He hosted it and he watched those videos and uh, most of America was tuning in and I still remember the theme song, Sunday night. So we lost Bob, who was just a beloved figure in the comedy scene. Everybody who knew Kim loved him as a person and it's it's a tragic sudden loss. But in addition to Bob Saget, Peter Bogdanovich, who is one of the great directors of that era of the 70s, but also a real pioneer in film studies and film theory for Americans. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But then also Sidney Poitier, the first African-American male to win an Oscar. He won a Best Doctor. He was Best Oscar. He was a trailblazer extremely talented man, also beloved by all who met him, and just a a historical figure also in this period of time. And we didn't really talk about it, but before our last week's podcast, Betty White died. Betty White was also a beloved figure who did a lot of really important stuff before Golden Girls. The, The stories that are coming out and going around about her and some of her civil rights stances and such are impressive and meaningful. And so it has been a week for those in this entertainment space, losing figures who hold a lot of value. You know, from my perspective, Bogdanovich was sort of the one of them that had, his work had meant a lot to me, particularly because he's a student of cinema. So before he made movies, he was writing books about directors and he was the first American to start like Cahiers de Cinema predated him. And that was Truffaut and Godard and the French New Wave starting to write about the great American auteur filmmakers and sort of seeing patterns in their work and started to like get into and analyze film as an art. Bogdanovich was a guy here who started doing that. And he was a student of, you know, he was a, John Ford was his mentor and he hung around those guys when it wasn't necessarily cool or popular to do so. All his friends were old Hollywood people and he learned from them. 
writing about them, asking them questions, and they all found him extremely annoying and, and teased him about it. But Orson <laughs> Welles, I think Orson Welles like lived in his guest house for a while, and he was his like he was his pal. So it, before that sort of thing was a thing, you know. And I and so for me as a person who's very much a film studies student, a film theory person, this was a meaningful figure. But that's not to say that uh, Sidney Poitier is not an extremely meaningful in far bigger ways and influential ways to the culture at large. So I'm just riffing on it because so many important people in the world of film and television in the last, if you're a comedy person, then Betty White and Bob Saget have a massive influence. So I, I just feel like we had to, to, we had to go into it and, and talk about all of that wrapped up in like one week's time, a week and a half. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty insane. I mean, really, even going back, like, there's been a lot of really notable people pass away in the last, like, six, six months or so. Like, I was just thinking about it. Like, Michael K. Williams died. Norm McDonald died. Like, it's just been a lot of kind of unexpected people. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, true. So I we didn't talk um, about those. We didn't talk about those as they came. And I, it's not something normally like at, on our, site on nofilmschool.com or on this podcast. We don't normally talk about it, but it did sort of seem like so much had happened so recently. And Bob yeah, we're, Saget, we're, we're past the rule of threes now. We're like, right. we're, getting up, we're getting up into the rule of six. Like what's the rule going of on? threes. I, yeah. It was like, it's the rule of threes. Oh wait, there were four very yeah. quickly. And then, yeah, yeah I mean, you no mentioned wait. Michael K. Williams and uh, Norm was a, Norm was just a genius comedian. Yeah. And yeah. it was such a, I could not have been a bigger fan of Norm. Um, yeah, me too, man. I it, like rediscovering. I didn't. I didn't know that Norm had like this kind of little podcast show he was doing on YouTube. Oh yeah, and and the clips now are circulating, and it's as funny as anything. Yeah, it's, like if it's you're one it, of the better YouTube rabbit holes to go down, like just just watching Norm clips that on the Norm McDonald show, and like he's got to be like probably the best late night talk show guest of all time. Yes. So yeah, I mean, like, it's it's just weird when this kind of stuff happens. Like the the celebrity deaths, I I kind of I process them a little bit differently than I think a lot of people do. Like, I mean, I don't I don't get like really emotional over it, especially if it's like a much older person, like Betty White. Like, I mean, God rest her soul, but like she she lived a good long life and she yeah. lived her life very fully, and so it's like there's not a lot of sorrow about that but like yes there are some where i'm just like man we could have had so many more years of like just entertainment from these people like when i when i saw licorice pizza i i just couldn't help but the entire time think about philip seymour hoffman like it was yeah. like the main thing on my mind was just like oh my god he just he just acts so much like his dad and, and it made me so happy getting to kind of see that again but like you know people like norm uh, Mike, michael k williams like legitimately is in my opinion he was one of the greatest working actors. And I just feel like he never really got that that role that was going to just catapult him other than Omar, obviously. But I, like, I yeah. think he, he had so much more in the tank and, and that was a big bummer. But the Bob Saget thing, for me, I, I got to be honest. Like, I, I, I know, like, how impressive is it to have such a reverence towards you when, like, the main stuff that you're known for happened like in the early nineties. Like <laughs> I know, I know he's been, I know he's been like a, a working comedian his whole life. And like, I've seen like, what, what was that thing? Like the, the really dirty thing he did, like, uh, aristocrats. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. And, I you think know, he was I've, on I've seen, tour as a comic, I believe in Florida 
when, yeah, he, when yeah, he died. I, I think he was. Yeah. And he, apparently he was, he's been working on like a documentary project for a while and stuff. Like he's, you know, he's just seems like one of those people that's just kind of always doing stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't, I got to be honest, like I didn't really anticipate. Well, obviously I didn't anticipate his death, but I, 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 yeah. I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have anticipated the like the absolute outpouring of like sadness and like, a, a, you know, it's, it's interesting it seems that he was just a, actually a, a really good person, which you know, yeah, kind of feels like a surprise these days when you hear that a celebrity was actually like, you know, in person, a really nice dude. <laughs> so. That's a good point. And it's a, you bring up a good point of just like another reason we don't always talk about it is because there's a kind of thing with celebrity death that, you know, it's I, it, how people process it. It's a, it's a public person and and most people don't know them. They know them through the work. So they become meaningful. I saw a thing about like, you know, Bob Saget being like America's dad sort of, and Betty White being like America's grandma. And I was sort of like, it's interesting. Maybe they do occupy that space for a lot of people, but something about the loss that's public. I try not to judge the degree of emotionality that comes for some people, because I think that these figures become meaningful in a way that that's unique to each individual as they watch them and probably far outsized whoever they were as a person. But you make another good point, which is just that Bob Saget was a positive impact on the other people in the world. So the entertainment community has just been flush on Twitter and social media with loving and, and missing and sadness. And when, when Bob Odenkirk fell ill on the set, of Better Call Saul, there was a lot of that too, because he's another person that's just held a lot of meaning and to a positive meaning and a positive influence in other creative people's lives. I mean, remember when Tom Hanks got COVID and like everyone, like that was like, yeah, right, was right, like, right. Please don't take Tom. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah. kind of at the beginning too. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, you know, there could be other things like COVID. Like this is a weird time. More, a lot of people are dying in general. Coronavirus kills people in large numbers, even now with it you know, under control to some extent, but it's crazy. So I think maybe the morning or the public morning makes sense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One thing I was going to ask, because I've actually, I can't say that I've ever seen a Bog, is it Bogdan, Bogdanovich? Yeah. I've never seen one of his films. Would you recommend a few to me that yeah. um, would, would That's, get? Well, it's interesting because you're in Texas. Mm. So his, my, in my opinion, his best movie was really his first major movie, Last Picture Show, okay. which is, I think, 1971 or 72. And it's based on a book by Larry McMurtry, 
who I think is largely responsible for the genius because it's just his writing is amazing. He's written a number of other things that turned into great movies. He's won a Pulitzer and I think he adapted break he adapted Brokeback Mountain. So like he's he's got the goods. And this Bogdanovich sort of identified the story, of course, and along with his wife at the time, brought it to life in this really powerful, beautiful black and white way that is like almost like a little ode to coming of age and the passing of time in small town Texas. You know, it's, mm, it's a simple story, great. but yeah, it's beautiful. And then, you know, he blew up. He was kind of like one of the first to explode of those, like pre, even pre-Scorsese. And he exploded in the 70s and won, was nominated for everything. And then he made a couple others that were that are a lot of people really like. One is called What's Up Doc, and it's Ryan O'Neill and uh, Barbara Streisand. And that was kind of like a comedy, rom-com thing, like 30s style. And then Paper Moon, which is Ryan and Tatum O'Neill and is about con artists, a father-daughter con team, which people really like. And he kept going. I mean, and he, he, was, he was on The Sopranos. He played Lorraine Bracco's character's therapist. So he acts. He, he was a mentor to Wes Anderson and a good friend of his. Oh, cool. And he just kind of like, he, he stuck, he's hung around and he's done other, he's done plenty of other things. He was sort of known later as being this, I think he had a bit of a, his story, he had a bit of a crash and burn along with a lot of those guys out, coming out of the 70s into the 80s. Yeah, like the, getting the- de- Friedkins of the world. That, that whole yeah, thing. there was yeah. a, if you, for those who are curious about film history and like this stuff, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls is kind of the story of those guys, like that cadre of guys. It was men, male filmmakers in the seventies who like blew up and then crashed and burned a lot of them because even Scorsese did, people don't remember, but like when the eighties came along, things shifted and all the, the indie auteur director thing was kind of fading. And a lot of those guys got hit pretty hard with that. But well, that was kind of like at the, when when the blockbuster was really becoming a thing, right? It's exactly yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. It was like Lucas and Spielberg sort of ended. They were they were like part of the wave, but they also ushered in the end <laughs> because then it was just like, whoa, you can make like just imagine like you could when the biggest movies before Jaws and Star Wars, there were like releases that were like uh, all the president's men. You know, it was, yeah. like, it was like adult draw or network. And then suddenly it. it's like, wait, you can make shitloads of money with a movie. <laughs> like, why are we doing this stuff that's just for grownups? So anyway, it's a fascinating story of the those two decades. And Bogdanovich is at the center of it. And he made, yeah, he's a good, he was a good filmmaker and, and really, you know, wrote a lot of interesting stuff about movies. Mm. Oh, we also got to give Sidney his due. Yeah, I, I mean, I that's like, very, very, very vivid memories, like being a super young kid and watching In the Heat of the Night with my grandma. Like wow. when, I, when I was like six or seven, I remember being like, this is really good. <laughs> I've always been a big fan of him. Sneakers. That's another one that's just like, I don't have you ever I've seen, seen Sneak? No. Oh, it's good. It's good. Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. It's um, Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night is like one of the great, movies of all time. They did like but a show. He, they did a show based on it, right? Am I making that up? I don't know if they did. I don't, for some reason, I feel like I remember watching a show version of it with, what am I thinking of? Anyways, continue. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was another one yeah. right around that time. And I think, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, but it needs to be said. Like, it's hard to contextualize for right now how massive it was at that time for him to be a leading man, starring in movies, winning Oscars, and, you know, the grace and dignity with which he had to handle that in a time when you were not going to, people were not at their best to say the least about those things. Like, they were right. awful. Right. Like, it's right. just, it's really hard to put it into proper context today because even though we're still surrounded by intolerance and racism and all that awfulness this the way in which it is not uh, it's different and it's partly different because of him and i can't really even speak to it you know it's it's my i'm doing my best but it's not part of my experience you know but i just right. like his genius is like almost overlooked by the fact that he was a trailblazer and you know he set a tone that I, i'll never forget when Denzel Washington won an Oscar, yeah. I forgot what year it was, but he said like, cause Sidney Poitier won Lifetime Achievement that year. And he was like, I will always be following you or something. And mm. I, it, it kind of hit it for me that how important it was for everything we can take for granted now, how he came before, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But on that note, <laughs> there's no good way. There's just no good segue out of talking about people dying. <laughs> but we will, uh, we will try and just segue to you know what we're doing now instead of looking backwards. We'll try looking forwards. So this is historically known this period of time in the year as like the quietest time in terms of headlines in the entertainment industry. Like there's not a lot of big releases right now. There's not a lot of like it, everybody's just coming back in town. I mean, I, you know, and I'm in a different town than you, but like certainly here, like everybody's like checking their inboxes these weeks, like circling back, as they say, get, get, <laughs> to stuff the that they left. Again. Yeah. Yeah, right. The stuff that happened pre-Thanksgiving, finally opening those scripts that people sent. So I think, you know, you brought up an interesting point and we wanted to talk about it, which was what is going on exactly? Like, what is this time about on the inside? From, from the outside, it's like this time is like, Quiet, not a lot of releases and what the hell, like. Yeah, for, for me, there's always like two times of year that are absolutely insane. And it's the time leading right up to the holidays for some reason. And then it's always like, like February. February is always like absolutely insane for me, freelance work wise. And, and so like two things happen. The holidays almost always get like entirely ruined for me because I'm trying to get in the spirit and trying to like, you know, enjoy you know, cookies and whatnot, but I always have like just jobs and gigs that I just can't pass up. And I, you know, there's obviously the reason is people are trying to use up that, that last little, that last little bit of the budget before the new year starts. And then the, uh, the new year starts and then they get fresh, fresh budgets again to do whatever they're trying to do. And so that that's why like the spring is always insane. So it's like, Pretty much the entire like colder months of the year, I've here here in the Dallas market is just always like the craziest time. And so I think to me, I've always just felt like everything feels kind of like heads down, get to work. You know, everyone is like you said, responding to those emails that they've had in their their mailbox for you know three weeks now, and just getting getting everything going. And so it's it's I, I don't know, it's it's an interesting thing because I've always noticed how hard it is to find things to write about in the month of January. You know, obviously this is when all the the movies that didn't quite make the uh, the Oscar buzz cut. <laughs> this is when they all get released and Yeah, um, there's a you know, 
there is like sometimes there's a gem. Though. Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. thing. Like, because because sometimes they release things where they're like they don't know where it goes, so it could be something really good and interesting. So well, it doesn't sure. necessarily mean that it's all it's all rough. It just well, means half that it's, the time it's a, the stuff that wins Oscars isn't very good anyway, or it gets not exactly. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> so. that, that with what what people think is going to what the expectations are not always accurate to the the actual work. Yeah, I mean it's interesting to hear from somebody who freelances a lot that this is actually kind of a busy time. You yeah. Know? yeah. There's I mean, a lot of potential here. And so does it seem I, that way in, in LA as well, or is it like kind of chiller now? It's it is busy, like people are getting started, but I think that it's slow from the perspective of people are sort of waiting to hear, like it's not pilot season or staffing season yet. Okay. And I think that becomes one of the very hectic times. Although that whole model has changed. You know, it used to be like things were all sort of set on a clock by, you know, regular seasons and things like that. But now with, you know, television not being the same medium or format and the streaming model, like it's just a little bit more of a year round like thing, you know, like it's not quite as specific. I mean, everything is just completely messed up right now. Anyway, like there's that too. (laughs) Nothing is the way that it used to be. (laughs) Right. Um, There's that too. I mean, the ground is shifting beneath us so tectonically that like, yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, like nobody knows here, at least if schools will continue to be open in a week. So there's definitely a lot of craziness. Like even right now, like every gig, that I have on the horizon. Like I have, I have a couple gigs that are like, you know, covering large events and I, I won't lie. There's like a part of me that's kind of like, I, I think, I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so in my yeah, mind, like, I'm, well, I'm like waiting for it to get canceled. And then, and then I'm sure like the week before it, they'll be like, okay, it's still happening. And I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta go. I gotta go put some rental orders. in. <laughs> yeah. That, that segues to the next topic really well. And I want to jump into it because you, uh, you know, because today is just, it's you and me. You mentioned that you've been working and traveling a lot. Yeah. Covering different things. And the thing that interests me about that is the adjustment with coronavirus and the different rules, as you mentioned, in different places. So we have like a no film school, we've had some production stuff we're working on and we're aware, you know, you're kind of setting up and then you're like, okay, so what are the protocol we're going to follow? What are the safety measures we're going to put in place? And, you know, you get a feel for that and certain sets or locations, they'll establish something and then they'll go with it. But you're yeah. moving and you're a one man band in a lot of cases. And you're, like you said, events or maybe, you know, a new city. So what I think you can speak to uniquely is sort of like a, a, a sense of how it changes from place to place a little bit. For sure. No, it's one thing like for me that the headline about like the current vibe of it right now is that it is so much more disjointed even than it was like at the beginning. Like it's so strange how, you know, I'll go to one city and it's like, I feel pretty comfortable. I feel like everything's being done correctly. And then I'll go to another city and it's like, oh, hey, I guess COVID never even happened here. <laughs> it's like, what, <laughs> what? You know, and it's like, I, so far, um, you know, knock on wood, a hundred billion times, I dodged it so far um, just, you know, by, you know, wearing a mask, doing, doing, doing my thing. But it, it, it's funny, like, uh, so I've, I've spent some time in, in Alabama, not to, well, you know, actually I do. 
to call out that state. It's it's truly. <laughs> it's yeah, truly let's like, call them out. <laughs> if if you wear a mask, they look at you like you have four heads. It's like they're like, "What are you doing, man?" You know, like you'll you'll go. Like I, I tried to go, you know, just get some chicken fingers out of place cause, and take it back to the hotel room, and I had a mask on, and I literally like, I didn't the whole time I was there, I didn't see a single mask. So that's yeah. a thing. It, it was just interesting. Like wherever you, you land on all that stuff, to me, it, it's just kind of like if nothing else, as a study of sort of how tribal we really are in terms of our culture and like like just like what we see other people doing we just follow suit it's very very pocketed like so i've been to philadelphia that was pretty pretty chill in terms of like it was i would say it was pretty similar to dallas dallas is kind of like i'd say it's 50 50 in terms of like people being careful people not being careful but like i've been recently doing a lot of work at a american airlines center and they actually have mask mandated but you know apparently of people wearing them apparently if you have a certain amount of money and you sit in a certain <laughs> a certain seating area that doesn't apply to you and and no one's really calling you out on it so it's, it's just funny like i don't to me the the whole thing is like it's just funny thinking back because yeah. when this all started i didn't do a travel gig for probably i think it was like 7 months when this all started and i remember i got a i got a gig out in orange county and I, I, the feeling that I had packing for that gig, it was like, I told my wife, I feel like I'm going to the moon. Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm going out to war and I don't know if I'll come back. And it's like, just because I, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, like, I might get COVID and die on this trip. And then now it's like, well, I'm personally, I'm vaccinated and boosted. So I'm good there in, in that regard. But it's just like, it's, it's still, it's, it feels more dangerous than ever because of how, you don't really know what you're going into, but I'm still just like, I'm doing it way, way, way more. And I, I think that's just kind of like a, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing. So it's like, I, I, with, with my team, whoever I'm bringing out on these, these gigs, it's like, it's, it's, you know, uh, vaccine and mass uh, mandatory just cause I want to know that what I'm doing is the the most I can do to be safe. And, you know, really most importantly, one thing that I notice a lot, I do a lot of interview work a big, 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 big part of it is just making sure that whoever comes there is safe or they feel safe. They feel like you're, mm-hmm. you're worried about it. And, and like whether they wear yeah. it or not, it's funny. Cause like I've been like when I was in Alabama and the, like there were people who like most people didn't care about it. There was like one person who I could tell it kind of made a difference for them in terms of their comfort level that we were wearing masks and we were, you know, yeah, thinking you're not going to get a good stuff. interview out of somebody who's Thinking the whole time, like, I don't want to get sick in here. Yeah, it's, look, it's a fascinating time if you can detach yourself from the emotional and psychological toll in that the there are no agreed upon standards, really. And people are constantly trying to poke holes in whatever anyone else is doing. And, you know, we don't know a lot and what we know changes and and people at the cutting edge of the science are like updating information, which then makes a lot of people feel like, well, you're lying to us or you're trying to trick us, which, you know, why would any, I was thinking like, what's the motivation? Like, yeah, what's the end game there? Like, why, why, why do people think the government is so organized that it's like the government wants to give you all shots? Like the government is, has a hard time really accomplishing much at all. Like what? Which like we've definitely not one, learned. Like if, if, if nothing <laughs> right? else, this, the fact that I go from one, t- one city to another and there's completely completely different vibes like that's like a 
that's a sign. Like our government doesn't know what what it's doing right now. And it, they it, 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 can't, it's like a, it can't do anything unilaterally. Like it's not even no. even if it even if it had like one hive brain that like wanted to enforce something specific and like get every sucker to get a shot or whatever these people think. Like, <laughs> yeah. like It would be very, very hard for them to get together on that. They can't get together on much of anything. So I always find that like that perspective bizarre. But look, I respect everybody has right to their own opinion and views, but I, I still am shocked whenever I hear that. I'm like, are you, do you watch the same government that I watch? Because yeah, I don't, well, I don't I mean, see them capable of manipulating us to that extent. I, I don't um, know what it's like in, in LA specifically, but I, I, we went on a little vacation to Northern California and, and it was like, I was so happy. It was so comfortable. I was like, everybody cares about this here. Oh my gosh. Like, oh yeah. No, I can I mean, go that... to a restaurant and sit down and, and like, feel like no one thinks I'm weird. And like, I, you know, it's like, I don't know. No, I basically, look, I, I, I live in Texas and I'm, I'm ready to get out. So, you know, if anybody, if anybody has I, a full-time job in some other state, let me I know. get it, man. Because when I, because on our break, I might've mentioned this on the podcast for those who listen, but if I haven't, I, I spent some time in Arizona, which is a pretty wacky state. And I was pretty amazed at how not interested most people are at wearing masks indoors. But also, like you said, you made a really good point. And I think this should apply, like people, like filmmakers should think about it wherever you're shooting or or where you may go to shoot. Because it's not state to state. It's really like county to county. Like this country is kind of divided, like between cities and rural areas. Like that's a lot of where the, the mentality split. I don't see this as being a partisan issue. I don't know. It's become one. I don't think it needs to be. But mm-hmm. You will go places. The tribal thing is real. The impact of the people around you and the what is acceptable or seems like the norm is massive. And yet you may be in a position where you'll have that one interview guest, like you said, who doesn't feel comfortable under it. So you should always, I think you should try to figure out what the safest, most comfortable thing is for most people. Well, and, and again, not to mention your crew as well. Like you might right, have, and, you yeah, might have, crew. you know, an AC who has like a wife or or husband who's like, you know, uh, what's the word, immunocompromised or whatever, yeah, and like, yeah. like they, they, but they got to work, so they're they're taking the risk, and like that's a sad thing to think about. Like someone, yeah, like you never. Risking. It's another. It's another important point. Yeah, in LA, people are tend to be like extremely cognizant of it, wear their masks, but then once in a while, you like walk into like I don't know, I was in the mechanic for a tire change and the guy had like his mask not over his nose and I was like like why but but at the same time like there's a like you never know what other people's lives and situations are and it's a mistake to assume so your point about like you might have an AC who has an immunocompromised person at home with the schools here they talk about closing them or teachers unions not wanting to go back etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's always like just like on a production being shut down or safety measures there you never know who's in a multi-generational home like for all you know, you have somebody on your set who lives with a grandparent who right. may be shot and boosted, but even if they get it mild, like even if it comes through and yes, the shots and boosters aren't hundred percent effective. Nothing is the idea that they, they, that they should be is crazy. I mean, in a perfect world that we don't live in maybe, but like, yeah, there's going to be somebody who has somebody at risk. There's also going to be somebody who knows people who have died. 
Like there mm-hmm. are people like who know people from home who like had multiple aunts and uncles or, or grandparents or people who have died because of this, maybe before the vaccine or maybe after like it. So I think that it's important to be like, you know, to me personally, I'm like you at this point, I've been really lucky. Like I've dodged it, but yeah. it's kind of like, there's a meme from the original Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo in the 80s where he's like on the final level where there's the fire <laughs> thing swinging and he's jumping through and it's like, that's the meme. is like, that's people who haven't gotten COVID oh, yet. Oh yeah, because, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because it's like, how have I not, I'm honestly like, how have I not gotten it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But no, I, it's I still, people are, you know, for, for someone like me, it seems like, yeah, it's not a big deal. But there's, everybody's situation is so different. And so yeah. I think your your thing of like, you travel with your crew with the most up-to-date, like safe, because what's the bad side to that? That's what I'm curious about. Like, what's the downside for being as careful as possible? I mean, well, and and yeah, like the 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 risk you're taking on is like something that is potentially as dangerous as what happened on that, the film set with Alec Baldwin a while ago. Like, like deaths can happen because yeah. of this. So take it seriously and, and make sure that if nothing else, like, I don't like, I don't care where you, you stand on it. I think largely personally that I've been able to avoid, I mean, I've literally been in stadiums full of 30,000 people, you know, screaming into the air, most yeah. of them without masks. And I've, I've avoided getting COVID. And I think it's because, and again, knock on wood, but I think it's because I, I just wear a mask. It's pretty, in my mind, it's pretty damn simple. And I, when I get back in my car at the end of the day, I, I sanitize my hands, even though I, th- I don't even think you need to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's just this thing of like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you could do that. Maybe you don't have to, but does it harm you? Like it dries out your skin. I guess that's, annoying. <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. know, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is like, I like what, what I like about your story or this segment is that you're like, the rules are completely different in places I shoot. So are the expectations, but I take with me and my team the same standard. You know, it's like, it's like anything with production, right? When, wherever we go shoot, we're not like, I mean, actually some people are, that's a good point. I, I'm correcting myself. You go shoot some places and you're like, Hey, we don't need insurance here or whatever. You're like, well, you're playing with fire, right? Right. Yeah, if, and you take- if, if something goes wrong, then you're a monster. Like, it, right, it, like exactly. there's no yes. forgiveness whatsoever right. of, of other types of unsafe things on set. Like there's no forgiveness whatsoever. And I don't, this should be the exact same. Right. What you get away with until you get caught. It's like, it's like, and that like the, we've talked about it before, but the better to ask forgiveness than for permission is just not true when it comes to matters of health and safety, because the stakes go far beyond anything else you're used to. The consequences stay with you forever. And I think that Rust, that was the name of the the Alec right. Baldwin film. It's different, but it's there are just continue to be people who are like, how in God's name did they have live ammo on set that no one checked? Like what in like there's just right. so many questions that are unanswered. And I think it's obviously different, but when we're talking about traveling around during a global pandemic, you know, that has can have massive negative impact on people who get the disease, why not take with you? Why not always wear your seatbelt? It's like saying I don't need to wear it every time. And it's also super uncomfortable. Really? It's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to wear, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. To no, me, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's the easiest thing in the world. And I, I like it because it helps keep my allergies away. 
Yeah. Well, half, the, of, half of the best thing for me is I'm just like, oh, I haven't had a sinus infection all all season. This is great. <laughs> On top of everything else, you can work more year round if you're yeah. not getting sick from other stuff. Yeah, and exactly. that is an advantage. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm about it. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. I'm George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief of No Film School. You can find everything we talked about here and more at nofilmschool.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Check out our Instagram and YouTube. And check out what Todd is up to. Todd, why don't you plug what you're doing and where people can find you? Uh, yeah, I'm Todd Blankenship, cinematographer. I write at No Film School. And uh, I have a YouTube channel called Am I a Filmmaker? And it's been lying dormant for... Uh, probably almost a year just because I've been working, but I, I'm actually just about to start putting a bunch of stuff up on there. So um, yeah, if you want to watch me uh, learn stuff about VFX and my context in the industry, not knowing what the hell I do for a living, go check out that channel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>